This is Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm Scott Bertram. We're joined now by State Senator Joe Bellino. He represents the 16th District here in Michigan, including us here in Hillsdale and Hillsdale County. Senator, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for calling. Happy to be on. A number of different topics to cover with you today. One of the most uh, recent, uh, yesterday, in fact, as we discuss, uh, the the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services rescinding all the remaining COVID-19 epidemic orders. The uh, nationally declared public health emergency officially has come to an end. Will, Will Michigan residents see and feel any real difference from those uh, rescinded orders? Well, the only difference I see is maybe when you go to the city of Detroit now, you don't have to wear a mask when you walk into City Hall. Because <laughs> nobody can go in there without, without a mask. It's not the, not the rule of my county or my city or you know where I live and where I go to. I haven't seen a mask. In fact, I went and saw my mom and dad yesterday at the nursing home. I didn't wear a mask in there. Uh, they just, they, you know, everybody's just used to it so far. So it's about time. Now, here's the real question. With the emergency declared over, Will state workers go back to work? Mm-hmm. I just got a call from my county sheriff. He's been working with somebody for three weeks on a simple piece of paper, and he's done, and it's three weeks and hasn't got it yet. And and the lady told him yesterday, well, I'm not sure if she's in or out today. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, look at her desk. If she's not there, she's not in. <laughs> so we've got to get people back into the office. Our customer service from state employees wasn't stellar before COVID, and it's even worse now. So I'm, I'm, I'm calling for the governor to ask people to go back. She won't do it. She placates to the workers, which is, I guess that's the way she does things. Whatever they want, they get. But we're, we, the taxpayers, are not getting the customer service we deserve. Senator, this week in the Michigan Senate, the Senate voted to uh, on a bill to broadly ban drivers across the state from using or holding cell phones while operating their vehicles. Uh, the bill, I believe, now heads to the uh, governor's desk. It's already passed the House. We're the 26th state in the nation to adopt a similar ban on this. You were a no vote, but I know you were involved in, in discussions and negotiations about the bill. Tell us where it ended up and how you ended up on no for this. Well, I, I'm a, I was a big pusher of it for a long time. I have three younger daughters in their 30s, and they all told me when they got their license, they were on the phone, and I reminded them. In the early 2000s, we passed a law in Michigan that said texting and driving is illegal, and there was a series of penalties if you get caught with it. The problem is when we created that law, we never envisioned the phone being a computer in your hand. So today in Michigan, oddly enough, it's illegal to text and drive, but it's legal to shop on Amazon. (laughs) It's legal to make videos in your car, but not text. So the real thing is, what, how far will we go with it, with this phone? So I was in negotiations. I was a big pusher on it, but even during the years I was pushed on it, I knew there was a part of the bill I didn't like, and I was always told if it got to the Senate, they started moving it, they would chase it. The part of the bill I don't like is that you're stopped on a highway. My son-in-law was stopped for two hours mm-hmm. on I-75, just south of Wayne County two days ago. A, a, a gravel train overturned. He, he, With the law passed as written, he would not be allowed to pick up his phone to look at it. Huh. That's kind of weird. You're stopped on a train for 40 minutes. You're not allowed to pick up your phone and look at it. That's kind of weird, too. So... And, and, I, and I know the cops tell me and the prosecutors tell me that distracted driving accidents are way up, but they don't know if it's the phone because obviously no one's saying I was on the phone when I got in the accident. They know they're way up, but they may be way up because of food or makeup or other stuff going on. So I couldn't get a solid movement on that sitting there, not going anywhere, pick up your phone, 
So I was a no on it. And I'm glad I was a no because I, I just didn't like the way it was written at the end. couple of questions about the bill, Senator Bolino. One is, will yes, this be yes. under the language of the law a primary infraction? Can police officers stop drivers simply for the violation of having a phone in their hands? Yes, they can. And that's why a lot of Dems voted no on it, because they thought it was another reason to pull over a black man. Hmm. So, yes, it's a primary offense. Yes. Secondarily, and I, I lived in Illinois for a long time and, and was in Illinois when a similar bill was signed into law by the governor there, and I, and I asked lawmakers a specific question, and it was this. This bill is in place because of a perception that holding a phone is distracting. Now, the level of distraction between holding a phone and still using Bluetooth or having a, a, a hands-list device, there, there are studies that, that sort of go across the, across the way on how distracting that is. But the question I ask is about limiting principle, right? Because uh, eating in the car also is a distraction. A ham sandwich in your hand, a McDonald's Big Mac in your hand, that's distracting. Um, billboards on the side of the road, the only purpose a billboard has is to intentionally distract a driver from the road to read an advertising message. So once we head down this road of trying to prevent distractions in a car for a driver, what's the limiting principle? Where do we stop? Well, as Americans, we probably won't stop. Uh, that's <laughs> the way the big government is. Uh, but, you know, I foresee in the future when I'm dead, you're dead, people will drive around some kind of a vehicle or some kind of device that they won't. They can do what they want while they're driving, mm -hmm. while it's driving. They could uh, fill out their IRS forms or whatever. That'll happen someday. But until now, you know, people really need to put their phone down. No matter what the law is, when I drive from Monroe to Lansing, if I don't see 10 phones, <laughs> that's a bad morning for me. And I'm on the highway going, you know, 70 to 75 miles an hour. So I see tons of phones. I know it's a problem. But I don't like the, the constant intrusion from the government telling me what I can and can't do when it would be okay if, you know, if I'm not distracted, put my makeup on, looking in the mirror, mm -hmm. while I do it, not looking ahead. So, yeah, I have some real problems with it. And I, I believe the way this government's formed right now, all they want to do is take more and more rights away from us and tell us how, what we need to do to be happy. And I don't want that. State Senator Joe Bolino is with us, representing the 16th District here in uh, Hillsdale, uh, Michigan, and the Hillsdale area. Uh, recently, uh, in the past few weeks, uh, investment from... Uh, the, the, uh, the Michigan Business Development Program for a business, UltraFit Manufacturing, expanding here in Hillsdale County. What does it mean for that business, and what does it mean for our community? Well, I'm happy that the, the company that bought them, the Canadian company, that wants to expand. So I love the fact that it's bringing jobs to Hillsdale, and it's not a lot of money. It's not like the, it's not the $700,000 a job like the Ford project is or, or $450,000 like the Goshen project. Bringing middle-class manufacturing jobs into my district is a, is a priority. If it doesn't cost us too much, we need to grow this. We've got a great little uh, uh, business section, manufacturing section, up there in that part of the county, and to grow that would be wonderful, so I'm all for it. Speaking of our, our local issues here in the Hillsdale area, I, I'm sure we are not alone across the 16th District, nor anywhere in the state, uh, about complaints about local road conditions. Uh, they are pretty dire here in Hillsdale, and in fact, here in, in, in the city itself, there's a program in which, uh, in which residents, uh, landowners, property owners, are expected to contribute, not expected, are required to contribute to road construction projects in their neighborhood if those roads are going to be rebuilt. 
you sponsored an amendment to the budget this past month that uh, would change or, or at least adjust the way that local road funding heads back to communities. Is this a problem with any sort of solution in reach? Well, the only solution for the local communities is re- more revenue from the state. And we have plenty of revenue right now. Now, I wanted to grab some of that revenue that we have sitting in the bank right now and send it to local roads. There were two amendments I had for a total of $675,000, uh, $675 million, pardon me, and two-thirds of that would have went to local roads. Um, it was voted down by the Dems. They have better ideas how to fix roads. Uh, I, I even used the governor's uh, a tag phrase, which I don't like to use, but I wanted to use it to make an impression on the Democrats that if she can use it and be effective, why can't I use it? You listen to me about these local roads. They all know the local roads are hurting. So here's what the Dems did to fix this. There's a caveat in, in the budget that will give more money to Wayne, Oakland, and Macomb and less money to the rest of the state. Now let me say that again. There's a caveat to give more money for local roads for Wayne, Oakland, and Macomb. Now what does that tell you? That tells me that the governor doesn't care about outstate roads. Amen. If I had a if I had an amendment to spend you know, a, almost six hundred seventy five million more on the local roads, what was wrong with that? Oh no, it's wrong because it's not Wayne, Oakland, and Macomb where we really need it. Well, you know what, Governor? We all need it. Our local roads. We, we have a we have a road millage now in Monroe that we passed. I didn't vote for it, but we passed, and we're working on the roads with the local millage. We have a bridge millage in Monroe, but the state is sitting on over eight billion dollars and didn't want to share it for the for the locals and and outstate locals, and that should not surprise anybody, because in the governor's first budget that we get, we presented after she was elected, she, she line-item vetoed hundreds of items, and none of them were in the city. Hmm. They were all outstate, just to make a point on us. And that's how the governor is. She lost outstate. She doesn't care about outstate. All she cares about is the cities. And obviously the Dems have acquiesced right behind her, lockstep, and that's what they're going to do. And, Senator, that, that dollar figure that you point out, $675 million that your amendments would have would have taken for, for local road funding, uh, not a coincidence that that is the same amount that Democrats recently gave to a Chinese-owned battery manufacturer for uh, for locating here in the state. Yeah, that was one of my amendments. My, they didn't like my $500 million, <laughs> so I came up with $175 million, and I explained to them, where did I get this figure? And I told them where I got the figure, and it got voted down again, 20 to 18. That's, we took a lot of votes the last couple of days in session, hundreds and hundreds, and they were all 20 to 18. So obviously they don't take stock of what our ideas are. State Senator Joe Bellino was with us here on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. I'm Scott Bertram. You can find more about the senator at SenatorJosephBellino.com. Some education questions. Uh, senator, Democrats acting in recent weeks on a couple of measures that would seemingly... Well, perhaps take schools in the wrong direction. Of course, earlier this year, they eliminated uh, a part of a law that helped every Michigan third grader read at that grade level. And then recently eliminating the uh, grading scale, this A through F grading scale for school accountability. I looked at those grades every year when they came out to see where schools ended up. I imagine a a lot of other parents also did the same thing. Why would Democrats want to remove this very easy to understand and easy to find grading accountability system for our schools well they, the democrats and the mea don't want you to know where the bad schools are and where the bad actors are that's point blank that's what it is this is driven by superintendents who who don't have good schools and don't want to have good schools this is driven by the mea who wants to tell you where you need to go to school 
and they want to tell you what dues you got to pay, and they want to tell you what they may teach you, and this is what it's all about. The governor, the governor does what you know. When the MEA talks to the governor, she always just says, "How high do you want me to jump?" Hmm. You know, they got, the MEA controls a lot of stuff. They gave her over twenty million dollars the last two cycles. So this is all driven by that. They they want us to be shoved into schools that. You know, and think about this: before charter schools, how many public schools were shut down for poor for performance? Mm-hmm. I'll give you a guess. It's none. It's none. We never shut a public school down that was some of the worst in the schools in the, in the state. When I worked for the St. Vincent de Paul of Detroit from 87 to 93, every week the free press and news had articles about how bad Detroit public schools were. That was almost 40 years ago. Nothing was done. They got worse. And then, and then we started to come up with ideas to give parents a choice. Now, the Dems will tell you that parents always had choice if you had the money. Mm-hmm. But what about the kids in the city? What about the poor kids in, in outstate? They don't have a choice. So we started giving a choice with charter schools. Oh, Lord, they hate that. <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing about charter schools. If, if, we, if they passed a law saying all charter schools had to be unionized, all this stuff about how bad they were, about choice, would be dropped because the MEA wouldn't care because they were getting your money. That's what it's all about. Senator, we know Democrats, as you allude to, are hostile toward charter schools. The governor herself particularly hostile toward charter schools. She, of course, used her line-item veto power to intentionally attempt to fund charters at a lesser amount than other public schools across the state. For charter school parents out there and charter school supporters, how concerned should we be over the next 18 months or so of total Democratic control in Lansing? Well, luckily... During her first budget, we fought that back, and she put it back in. Yep. The governor didn't realize when she line-itemed that that almost 60% of the children that go to charter schools are not Caucasian. And there, here she is about DEI, I want to help everybody out, but she forgot that kids of color go to charter schools at an alarming rate. Why? Because we gave them a choice, and they were in a failing school before. So this whole attack on charters will continue. In fact, in this budget... They're cutting public charter school, online schools by 20%, and I wouldn't doubt if they want to cut them by 20% next time. So we're going to use our, our power in the Senate, the, the voting power of immediate effect, to take a lot of language out of the budget, to take some egregious things like the cut in, in the charter cyber schools and some other things. We've got a line, we're, we're lining up all our, our no votes, and we'll see what we can change before the final budget is done. Senator, uh, at least one of your bills getting through to the governor's desk and actually being signed on aggregate processing and a tax cut bill for aggregate processing, crushed stone, gravel products. Uh, What does this do for businesses like that, and and why was this a bill that you uh, carried through the Senate? Well, when we dropped the the tax on, on like, a, uh, a personal property tax, we called it, on the presses and the machinery in the Ford and GM plants, Negotiations were online 10 years ago to make sure we did the same thing for all the equipment inside of a gravel pit or a sand pit. That didn't make it through. It was always in the docket. Our, with inflation, our road prices are going way up uh, for the aggregate and the material in there. Labor's going up. So we, 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 we brought this back, talked to the governor about it, made a deal, got a couple bills through with delivery and installation fee for like people that bring uh, your wash machine or your refrigerator in or something like that and with the aggregate stuff uh, to save taxpayers dollars because this will drop the price of roads. This will drop the price of, of, uh, of what you were, you're paying for delivery and installation of your refrigerator or whatever. So 
it's all there. It's a tax cut that the governor signed. Now, you know, the bad part is now she can say, I signed the bill to cut taxes because you look next year. She's already putting a committee together about where will the new revenue come in from to help with this infrastructure build out and everything else she wants to do before she's done. Because if you looked, if you look at her budget, all these things she's starting take effect fully in four years when she's gone. She knows there won't be enough money for all this stuff she wants to do. So she's already thinking about how will I raise revenue, which to us is taxes. So to lower the tax for small business or even a larger business and, and carry that through to the customer at the end, that's, that's, a, that's a priority of ours. State Senator Joe Bolino with us, 16th District here in Michigan, the Hillsdale area, and out to the east as well. Uh, just recently, the Senate passing its version of a budget bill, a little bit less than the House version, but still around $79 billion. Senator, in 2021, two years ago, the budget totaled right around $70 billion. So we're up $10 billion on a $70 billion budget in just two years. Where does that extra spending go? It is that extra spending supported by increased revenue. Is it coming out of the surplus we have we have we have uh, built up over the last few years? Uh, what does it go for, and where does it come from? Well, even more discerning is where was the budget when I was first elected? And I believe it was fifty-six billion mm-hmm. my first year in the House. So that was just six years ago. The first budget with the, with, with the, my my Snyder budget when I was first elected. Almost all of this is extra. Um, the federal revenue sitting around. We took the federal revenue. We did some horse trading in, in everybody's department and put it in different pools. It's almost all federal revenue, but our state revenue is up too. Now it's flattening this year, but remember four years ago, we, we, did, we weren't getting as much sales tax in because people that didn't sell a certain amount of stuff online weren't, weren't, uh, weren't forced to charge sales tax. Mm-hmm. So that gives us, that, that Wayfair South Dakota lawsuit gives us over $200 million a year. Marijuana. It's going to be close to two hundred million dollars this year. Um, uh, registration fees went up, you know, with the twenty fifteen gas bill. So money is there, but she's taking the federal money, spending it all down, and we know, looking at the revenue in the next two years, we're going to have a cliff. It's going to fall off, and if we don't lower the budget to about sixty two billion, we're not going to have enough money. And so the governor's out there searching for ways to find money for the next administration for the next senate the next house you know we just got to buckle in and make cuts this budget that's proposed proposed by her the house and the senate i think increases employment by 400 employees for the state mm-hmm. and a lot of it in their pet areas like the, the department of environment quality and energy and things like that so she's growing government she's got to figure out where she's going to get the money she's putting this task force together where the revenue is going to come from this budget is so huge, we should be saving $5 billion for a rainy day because we all know it's coming in a year or two. You look at what's, look, read the articles in the Wall Street Journal and other conservative business papers, and you will see that there's a precipitous fall off of money all around the country. Uh, we're, 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 yes, we're still building wildly down south and up here we're, with, the, with housing, but that's going to fall off, and unemployment's going to go up, and inflation is going to stay rampant. So we, I, I think we should save $5 billion, but Nobody's listening to me. <laughs> and, Senator, one of the uh, ways the governor is searching for that increased uh, uh, increased amount of revenue is, is trying to keep the income tax rate where it has been, or, or I should say only have it, 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 it dip for a single year, which is what the recommendation of the attorney general was 
Where do we stand on that? And when will the real fight occur over whether or not that ta- uh, that income tax cut for all Michigan residents is, is permanent or one year temporary? Well, the, the, as you heard, the AG working in lockstep with the governor says that was only for one year. But if you read the bill, it doesn't say it's for one year. Mm-hmm. So when she starts making her moves, we have some people lined up for lawsuits and uh, we will fight this egregious move by the by the AG who, you know, what is wrong with cutting taxes for all Michiganders? You, well, here's what the Dems will tell you. Well, it, it, it helps the rich people more than it helps the poor people. Well, anything we can give people that are of meager means, any cut we can have, is good for them. Whether it's a cut in the gas tax for six months, or it's a cut in the income tax, or it's a cut in fees that we're charging. Anything to help the people that are, that are hurting the most is good for us. Uh, so I, I don't know where the AG comes from. Of course, I didn't vote for her, and I think three-quarters of the stuff she does is just wildly inappropriate. But she is our AG, and we've got to just – here's what we have to remember. The next time she's up for election, we've got to get a Republican in here to change some of the stuff that she's been doing. She's making us her pers- – she's got a personal vendetta, and it doesn't include most of the people in the state of Michigan. State Senator Joe Bolino, 16th District, Hillsdale area, and out east, you can find him online at SenatorJosephBolino.com. Senator Bolino, thanks so much for joining us here on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. Well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm going now to visit a propane place, and that's another thing we're fighting, the shutting down of Line 5. Mm-hmm. Now that we've turned it over to the EPA and the, and the Department of Army Corps of Engineers, we're looking at two more years of studies, and then... If we don't change some administrations, they're going to want to shut that down. And everybody that uses propane, the price is going to go sky high. And here's how, here's how the governor is. She wants to shrink the size of trains. Huh. This is a union idea. Shrink the size of trains. But if you look at her proposal a couple years ago by shutting down Line 5, it was more truckers, which we have a lot less of, and more train use to move propane down. But now we want to shrink the size of trains. I'm not sure what will finally happen in the end, but I will fight to keep that line five open as long as I'm in office. Senator Joe Bellino, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. More of our interviews and conversations via our website, RadioFreeHillsdale.com. Click on Student Shows and Features. And I'm Scott Bertram on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM.